Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from the New King James Version, the Apostle Paul writing, and he says this, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Now, of course, he talked in chapter 3 about the fact that they had received the ministry and become sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. So he's saying, since we've received this, we're apostles of God, we're apostles and ministers of the new covenant. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we didn't earn it, but by the mercy of God, we've received it. We do not lose heart. We don't become discouraged. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So he's saying, not like other people who handle the word of God deceitfully. In other words, they have a hidden agenda. They have ulterior motives. The reason that they're ministering the word of God is maybe to make money. And boy, I know that that has been true of some. I certainly don't want to be the one that judges that. Let the Lord judge all of that. But that has been true of some. And it's caused uh, many ministers to be questioned or to be uh, not trusted because of a, a relatively few. I don't know the percentage. Only God would know. But a relatively few. But Paul said, listen, we're not among those. This is not us that handle the word of God deceitfully like that. He goes on to say in verse 3, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. He's saying even if the gospel that we're preaching, the ministry of the word that we're preaching is veiled like, and he's talking about the Jews having a veil over their eyes in the previous chapter so that they can't see that Jesus is the Messiah. He said even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who to those who are perishing. It's not veiled to those who are opening their hearts to the Lord and having revelation from the Holy Spirit. He, he said those people, they're hearing our teaching, they're receiving, they're being ministered to by it. It's bringing compounded exponential levels of revelation. He said, but those who are perishing, and boy, we see this today in, in our world, particularly here in the United States, where there are some folks out here in our society that they are not born again. They do not have the Holy Spirit. And everything that's said from the biblical standpoint, from teaching the Word of God, is taken uh, as uh, at, at face value as logic or not logic, as accepted in societal norms or not. In other words, there is no spiritual in intuition in them. There is no spiritual discernment in them. It is a, a godless approach. And so Paul is saying, listen, our gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. And so we should expect that there would be people that criticize, people that say, well, look, they're saying this, they're saying that, they're biggest, they're haters or whatever. We should expect that it's veiled to them. They cannot see it. And some of them know that they're speaking wrongly, but others really don't know it. They think that they're speaking absolute truth and they're questioning the gospel. They're questioning the word of God. 
And yet we should expect that there would be those who are criticizing. Because Paul says right here, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Well, of course, people that don't accept Jesus and don't make him the Lord of their lives and don't get born again, of course they can't understand these things. So we shouldn't see just because a lot of people criticize, that must mean you're wrong. That's not necessarily true. In fact, the whole Bible is full of situations where the majority was wrong and the minority was right, like the the 10 spies versus the two spies uh, of Moses. And so verse four, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Notice it doesn't say their eyes are blinded. It says their minds are blinded. They cannot understand, no matter how much you explain it to them, you could show them chapter and verse in the Bible and why we believe it this way and such. But the bottom line is their minds are blind. They absolutely do not have the ability to see. And notice who the culprit is. It says very clearly, it says in verse four, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. That's Satan. Satan is the God of this age. And he has blinded minds. And so we're, this is why Jesus said in, in one particular passage, he said, do not throw what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearl before swine. And so we need to be careful that we're not trying to go out and to preach to people whose minds have been blinded by the enemy, thinking that by logic and reason, we're going to make them understand. There are some folks who have such pure motives and they really are seeking truth that with apologetics, with evidence and science and other reason, you can at least get them to open up to the gospel. But so many, if their minds have been blinded by the enemy, no matter what you say, they can't see it because the enemy has blinded their minds. Oh, folks, what a horrible place to be in for Satan to have blinded your mind. And you you think that you're being objective, and yet you're completely blind. You cannot see evidence right in front of your face. Oh, may that never happen to any of you. May that never happen to me or our families or our friends. May that never happen. And to this world who has largely been blinded by the enemy, oh, let's continue to pray for them that God will open up their eyes, the eyes of their mind, that they can really see when, when truth is presented, that they can really discern when they hear truth presented. So notice again, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. He's saying, if they would open up their heart and believe the truth of God's word, even if their minds can't understand it or it doesn't make sense to them, if they'll believe the gospel, this is why we need to preach the good news of Jesus, because it slips right past logic and reason and trying to argue and prove. Just preach the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I have determined not to, not to preach anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so when this gospel gets in, if they'll believe and put their faith in Jesus and get born again, guess what? The blinders come off and now they can discern truth. Now they can see in their hearts. They can see and they get it. 
the light goes on and they say, I see it, I get it. And oh, what a beautiful thing that is. Let's keep praying for our family members. Let's keep praying for our friends, our colleagues at work, classmates at school, and uh, whomever, our politicians and such who do not believe. Let's keep praying that God opens up their minds and hearts. Verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. We're not trying to get people to follow our ministry, Paul said. No, we're preaching Christ. They may, they may never follow our ministry. I'm a pastor. You may never come to my church. Well, that's all right. That's all right. Be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the worldwide church of God. And so it says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I just love this. This is such a powerful verse. It is the same God who commanded light to shine out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1. Let there be light, and there was light. Paul said it's the same God who now is shining light into our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ. He is the image we talked about in the last chapter. He is the image that we see when we're looking in the mirror of God's word and we're seeing his image and his light is shining in our hearts. That's the same God shining that light that shone the light when he said, let there be light in Genesis chapter one. So it goes on to say in verse seven, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. But we have this treasure. What is he talking about? The light of the gospel inside, the glory of Jesus in our hearts. We have it inside. Through God's word, through the gospel, it's come into our hearts and we believe. And now we're born again and we have the spirit of God, the glory of Jesus all inside there. But notice he said we have this treasure in earthen vessels earthen vessels. What does that mean? Well, the interior, what's come in now, this is precious, like an extremely valuable uh, perfume or something. It's inside of us. Of course, it's not perfume. It's the glory of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit of God, the gospel, faith inside, precious contents. But he said this outward (laughs) vessel that it's in, this earthen vessel, Oh, he said, this is, this is nothing to be compared of the glory that's inside of us. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, you can see on the outside that it's not me. No, but it's what's come into my heart by the Lord, the glory of God. Verse 8, uh, and I love this part. You know, we'd like to just think that with the Apostle Paul, because he has all this revelation, oh, his life must be going so great. Look at this. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Boy, this little verse is so important because Paul is giving us a glimpse of what it's like to be a true minister of the gospel who continually puts himself out there, sacrifices to attain, to accomplish, to fulfill the assignment on his life. And Paul is saying, this is sacrificial. This is sacrificial. And he's saying, and guess what? This is not just a cushy life in this world. 
We keep putting ourselves out there. We're hard-pressed on every side, everywhere we turn. We have pressure. We have pressure. We're being hard-pressed of something that is threatening to take us out, to discredit us, discount us, abuse us, persecute us, uh, physically do harm to us, etc., etc. We'll see it, a whole list of them in chapter 11. So he says, hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Don't you love that? Oh, on every side, we're being squeezed like in a machine. He said, but we're not crushed. Why? Because what's inside of us is more powerful than what's outside. I love 1 John, where John said, he who is in me, in us, is greater than he who's in the world. So he says, look, we're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. We're trying to figure things out sometimes, like what's going on? Like, how is this going to play out? What do we do? We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Why? Because we have a shepherd who leads us. He leads us. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want, and he leads us. And so we're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. So yeah, we're experiencing tremendous persecution. Like I said, we'll get to it in chapter 11. But he said tremendous persecution. But he said, we're not forsaken. Just because people are treating us horribly, abusing us, that doesn't mean that we're forsaken. No, God is still with us. He's still in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. See? And this is not a religious cop-out or a religious crutch or a religious deception, certainly. No, Paul's saying, oh, this is real. This is real. In this life, because we're sacrificing to fulfill our ministries, yeah, we have these problems. Yeah, we're human beings and we and we have these things that are coming at us. He said, but the Lord's with us and he's seeing us through. He's protecting us. You wish God protected you to where you don't even feel it, but that's not what he's doing. Just like Jesus felt it on the cross. Jesus told us, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his own cross and follow you. Follow me. You may not be crucified on a cross, but other people will attack you, crucify you. The enemy will attack you with a variety of different uh, darts, uh, circumstances turning against you. All kinds of things will come up. And Paul's saying, look, but it can't, can't wipe us out because we're still sustained by this treasure inside. You may be looking at the outside that doesn't look so good right now. But he's saying, but inside, the power of the living God is sustaining me and, and helping me to endure to get through this. It says, uh, we're persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. You may even feel like you've been slammed down, but you're not destroyed Paul says, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. So he's saying this persecution, he's physically been beat and stoned and all kinds of things. But he's saying, I'm carrying about in my body the, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. He said, I'm doing what Jesus did, sacrificing my body that I might fulfill my calling. He said, but I'm doing this in faith that the life of Jesus will also be evident to sustain my, 
body. Verse 11, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So this is the way of a believer, and it hasn't been that way for American believers by and large. But in other parts of the world, believers lay their very lives and bodies on the line for the sake of the gospel. And so Paul said, this is what we do so that we may also have the the life of Jesus manifest in our flesh. Verse 12, so then death is working in us, but life in you. So Paul says, look, this is what's happening to us as apostles, that we might get the ministry to you, but this is not happening to you. You're not going through the same persecution that we're going through. So we're going through it to get this message to you, the gospel to you, so that you can be blessed. So he's saying we're experiencing two different things. And that's true. Like in America today, the American believers are not experiencing persecution like other believers in other parts of the world. And this is sometimes true with ministers who are experiencing more persecution than those who are receiving the word of God because they have targets on their chest. They're on a platform or on YouTube or whatever and such. And Paul's saying this, of course, his was worse than what most are experiencing today, particularly in the Western world. So it says, so then death, verse 12, is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, I love this. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. And so we have the same spirit of faith where it says, and he quotes in the Old Testament, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So right in the middle of him talking about his persecution, he said, but I'm still declaring the promises of God. Uh, I have the spirit of faith like Caleb. Come on, we're going to take this promised land. He's saying, this is what we do even in the midst of this hard persecution. I love this powerful verses of faith. So he says, we also believe and therefore uh, speak or therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing, verse 14, that he who is raised up, uh, he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. So he's saying, look, this life is coming to a conclusion. Just like God raised Jesus up, he's going to raise us up at the end as well. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. All this is to bring grace so that it would, so that thanksgiving would abound to glorify God. Verse six, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Paul saying, look, your outward man is aging, maybe aging faster than normal because of persecution, could be sickness, disease, all kinds of things. He's saying, but the inward man should be being renewed day by day. The inward man doesn't get old. For our li- for our light affliction, and he calls his persecution, which we'll, we'll see again in chapter 11, it's, it's severe. He said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is amazing. We don't look at the things which we see. We look at the things we can't see. (laughs) Doesn't make sense, naturally speaking. But Paul's saying, look, we believers should not be looking with our natural eyes at what we see and interpreting the circumstances by what we see. 
we should be looking with spiritual eyes at the reality of God's word. And the reality is this life is like a vapor. It's like a mist. And it just comes and goes so quickly. But eternity, we're going to live eternally with Jesus if you're born again. (laughs) We're going to live forever and ever. Let's live this life as if there really is an eternal afterlife. That's what Paul's saying. We don't look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are eternal. Powerful, powerful chapter. And it gives us confidence through adversity, through persecution, to persist in faith and keep speaking the word of God that the Lord will sustain us to fulfill our ministry assignments, our callings, and to end our lives with uh, glory given to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we'll spend eternity with Him. Thank God. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.